0: Welcome to Adjunctitis, from surviving to thriving, teaching hacks to reduce stress, save time, and avoid common pitfalls. I'm April Brown, an assistant professor of journalism at Cal State LA. I created this podcast because I found there is often not a lot of help for adjuncts or new professors who haven't taught before. You probably know your subject matter very well, but getting it across successfully to students is really a different animal. So I'm sharing some practical knowledge that I hope will help you start strong, feel more confident, and avoid some of the quandaries I found myself in. It is entirely possible and probably likely that there are teaching resources at your college or university, but you may not have found those yet. So I wanna help you avoid some pitfalls and landmines that I stepped in. We are going to continue our look at important syllabus-related material So if you missed episode four, you will want to start there. Welcome to episode five, Syllabus Schmilibus, part two. And once again, starting with a story. When I was an undergrad, I don't ever remember taking a syllabus particularly seriously. I probably glanced, filed away, and pretty much ignored them. Yes, I was an undergrad a very long time ago, but I really don't remember any professor discussing What was in the syllabus extensively? And maybe occasionally I'd ask a question, a professor would tell me to look at the syllabus. Even though it was a required handout, I think I treated it more like one of those papers someone gives you outside the supermarket about a cause you're not interested in. You nod, you take it, you toss it. But as I said, hard to remember. We are now on page four of the sample syllabus I've provided. You can find a copy in the episode five teaching tools section of the website. And if you missed episode four, we went over the first part, so you may want to backtrack if it seems like we're starting in the middle. It should be easy to see that I've used a late friend's photograph of a journalistic scrum as a background for a graphic to get their attention about things that are important in journalism, my classes, and personally, I think, life. Some of these may sound like the things you learned in kindergarten, but those lessons don't always stick, so it doesn't hurt to repeat them. If you trip, get back up. If you're confused, ask questions. If you make a mistake, apologize and fix it. You get the idea. Right after that photo is a bold line about academic honesty and the requirement I have for students in all of my classes. It references an academic honesty module and quiz each student must complete and pass at least once a year. You'll get all the details about that in episode six, but I want to explain here why it's at the very top. Cheating is not new and as technology has evolved, there are both new and different ways to cheat, followed by new and different ways to try to catch those who do it. We assume our students know that it's wrong, but what we can't assume is that they know exactly what we mean when we say, you must not be academically dishonest, you must not plagiarize, et cetera, et cetera. So this is all the ins and outs. And because journalism has its own codes of ethics that are part of what I teach, that's included for my students. This academic honesty module is one of those times where some effort on the front end can save you time and grief later on. By giving notice of the roles, explaining what they mean, and then making them take a quiz to show they understand it, we are laying important groundwork. Many students think they're clever, and many of them are, and I'm sure some of mine have and will get away with cheating but I've repeatedly found students who have obviously cheated and either didn't think I'd figured out or thought it was better than the alternative. And it's because I take these steps now and have created this module, providing the definitions, explanations, and testing to have a record to show they've understood that I can stop them when they say, I didn't know that was wrong. And honestly, it sucks every time I find a cheater but they were obviously put on notice and it's one less step in that whole ordeal. I'll add one other thing here. When I talk about academic honesty in my class, I explain it's a university policy and they have to read the university policies as part of this module. And I also tell them I'm required to enforce it. I'm trying to take it out of the student versus professor realm. It makes it a little less personal, but obviously it never really feels that way when it happens. Again, all the details about the Academic Honesty module and quiz are coming up in Episode 6. Check the website, adjunctitis.com, for details. Little relief now from the heavy topic of cheating, course communication. I set out some pretty basic info, how to reach me, how quickly I try to respond, how I make announcements, and how they're expected to behave in correspondence and online. And in the sample syllabus I've given here, I did include and I now include a sample email to a professor. And here's why. Some of them just don't know what professional communication looks like, and I hope I never have to see a subject line that says, WTF, I can't find the test. But I'd probably laugh and wince at the same time if I did. If they've never seen or been asked to write a proper email, they might not know how. And it may seem silly, but a lot of them have just grown up with texting and abbreviations and slang, and so It may not occur to them, it's not appropriate for every communication. So I'm hoping that's why I've received some of the messages I have. And as I do this job longer, I feel like this is another way to help make sure ground rules are clear and to put them on the right professional footing for the future. Okay, back to something a little bit more complicated, assignments and grading policy. And again, lots of words here. But also again, I found putting things on the record has helped head off some issues. It may seem simplistic, but I start off with the point of the assignments, explaining that we're scaffolding knowledge and skills. We start with the basics and then add complexities and requirements. I try to make it clear from day one that the assignments are purposeful and not just because I like to make work. So there are three important points I've bulleted here, They have to save their graded work, and that's if it's in paper form. If it's in electronic form, it generally remains in the learning management system, and we'll have more on that in episode seven. Students are told they have to keep track of their work and assignments, that I'm not in charge of reminding them or flagging due dates. And third, and often most controversially, there is no extra credit. Lots of different philosophies on this one, and here's mine. In journalism, deadlines are sacrosanct, and I try to make it clear that if there is a compelling reason, and it really has to be compelling to me, why their work won't be done on time, I will work with them on an extension. It's what happens in the real world. In TV, if you miss your slot, which is what we call it when your story doesn't make air, it's going to air on the next show, probably, or it won't air at all. But the point is I'm trying to encourage them to think more strategically in my classes from the very beginning. I think it's still humane and reasonable when serious issues arise. There's also one other thing that I do that hopefully prevents that panic, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. I also talk about participation and attendance and the expectations for and the value of both of them, particularly in the context of journalism. It's a team sport. If you've ever been on a team, you know it's the team that makes it work. So there are participation points related to attendance in my courses. I have had a notice about COVID related attendance issues for the past few years, but I hope to be dialing that back. Next, excused absences. If you miss a class or you're late, you are marked that way. If you want an excused absence, tell me ahead of time and arrange to make up the work and get the material. I list those that are specifically allowed and note that they have to have documentation if I request it. I also tell them that they don't need to tell me that they're not going to be there unless they're seeking an excused absence. So as you can see, there's also a note about lateness and attendance for the final exam, if there is one. This next piece is relatively new for me and it's about children in class. And I've had quite a few older students in my courses and of course, some of them have kids. If they need to bring those kids to class, I'll do my best to make that work for them. It didn't really occur to me to be explicit about this until about a year ago when a parent told me she'd have to leave early to pick up her kid who was in a campus childcare facility. So at one point, that lady did come back to class with her mom, and not only was she really well behaved, everybody was cool about it, and hopefully she came away with good feelings about college. Next, I have a long list of what falls under the category of professionalism and participation. Journalism is all about learning how to deal with all sorts of people, do your work, work well with others, jump in when needed, but it also specifically references the Student Code of Conduct, and if you haven't listened to Episode 2 on FERPA and Title IX, some related issues are covered there. Back to more details about assignments now. More about deadlines and how important they are to getting and keeping a job. And then, well, one of my favorite subjects, procrastination. We've all done it. We know our students will do it. But this addresses those last-minute, dog-ate-my-homework-computer-crashed excuses that always seem to come up in the hours or minutes before the homework is due. Basically, it's not going to fly here. Now, earlier I talked about one thing that I do that may prevent a bit of panic for some assignments. Shit stuff happens. We all have busy lives. Sometimes you just may not be able to turn something in on time. There is one free pass that comes with conditions and it cannot be used on major things like midterms, finals or group presentations. There's just one and you have to request it within seven days of the original due date. But it is there. So it does help when a student gets to the end of the semester and says, I need extra credit. And I say, remember, we don't have extra credit. Did you use your free pass? No. Well, you had a free pass. Other details here about homework and quizzes, and they're pretty self-explanatory. Next, go on to grading criteria. Mine are pretty specific to journalism, obviously. And the criteria for each type of assignment is spelled out there, but I find it helpful because it lays the groundwork at the very beginning of class. Let's wrap up now with a topic that will always complicate our lives, grading. I have a lot of detail about grading criteria and mine are often specific to journalism, obviously. The criteria for each assignment generally is spelled out here and I find it's helpful to lay this groundwork at the beginning. Students who are new to the university or to the learning management system may not know how to access their grades, so I make it clear how that works. I stress that they should keep track of their grades to make sure that I didn't miss something and let me know as soon as possible if there's a mistake, not wait till the end of the semester. I'm afraid there will always be those students who come at the end of the semester complaining about their grades, so Talk about this policy early and often. I have the 24-7 rule. Once an assignment is graded, you have to wait 24 hours to complain or question it. I've had students be really emotional and unpleasant in that period right after they get their assignment grade back, and so this is a cool-down period. If they come to me with thoughtful reasons why their grade is wrong within seven days, I will listen. I may or may not change it, but I will listen. I'm also really clear about what constitutes an A, B, C, D, or an F. Our system, our learning management system, has the percentages that it calculates related to those and as a policy, I don't round up. However, if at the end of the semester, I decide to do that, it certainly makes me seem more magnanimous. Some teachers like to grade on straight points, 100 for this, 20 for that, and that's actually how I did it at first but after a while when some students weren't getting certain concepts, I wanted to add a few more class assignments, but I didn't want it to dilute the relative worth of all of the class assignments. So now I put my assignments into categories and each of those is worth a percentage of the final grade. If I add more class assignments or a quiz, the percentage of that particular section does not change. Now, you'll probably notice that all my assignment types add up to 102%, and the extra 2% is for the weekly well-being surveys. More detail on this in episode 7. Briefly, though, it helps me learn how students are doing on a weekly basis. It's something that I really hadn't considered before the pandemic, but I learned about it through our university learning course, and it's something that I'm continuing to do. When we get to preparing the course, I will certainly cover the questions it asks and why it makes a difference. At the end of this rather lengthy document, I have some student resources, a list of specific university policies I'm supposed to share, and I end with a tentative schedule. And this is because students generally want to know right away what they're doing and when, so I give them a rough outline, but I tell them it's always subject to change. It does seem to give them a sense of comfort though. I will give you some tips on how to go over this with your students. It's a lot of material, but some ways to make it more fun and interesting. This is a lot to cover, so thank you for sticking with it. Again, it's kind of like the legal fine print at the end of those prescription medication ads. You know, it could cause difficulty breathing or death, but at least you've been warned. That's all for this episode. A copy of the syllabus I described here is in the episode 5 teaching tools section of our website, adjunctitis.com. If you have questions or issues you'd like me to address, please send them to questions at adjunctitis.com. Join our conversation on social. Right now we're at adjunctitis on threads, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash adjunctitis. You can also use the hashtag adjunctitis so we can form a community where questions can be asked and answered. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider leaving a review and a rating. Those can help other people find us too. Please spread the word and help those who ask you for help. It's good teaching karma. Adjunctitis is a Look At It This Way production. I'm April Brown. Thank you for listening. Class dismissed.